You're listening to the New Song Students Podcast. I'm Jackson, and I'm the student pastor at New Song Church, located in Oklahoma City. We hope this message builds your faith and helps you to know God better in a greater way today. Enjoy the message. Okay. Awesome, awesome guy. And so I have, uh, I just have to go over a recap of last week if you weren't here, because that's what I was told to do, so I'm going to do it. Okay, I'm going to try to give you some, uh, some props here. Okay, so we got a lot to go through tonight, all right? And here's what I want to just start you guys, uh, give you some more information off the bat. I really feel like I did not write this message. I really feel like I was an instrument this week. I feel like God literally took my hand and was like typing this stuff out, okay? So some of it may make sense, some of it may not. I pray that, um, that it does flow, okay? That it does sink deep and it's something that is rooted inside all of us tonight, okay? And when I'm writing this message, I'm not just writing it for you guys. I wrote it for me, for my family because, guys, there's just so much in Romans. I'm so glad Pastor Jackson wants to do this with you guys. So if you guys are here, say I'm here. Okay, cool. All right. So last week, uh, first off, there was homework, right, Pastor Jackson? There was some homework. You guys are supposed to do homework. You're supposed to read Romans 1 through 4. Did anybody do that? A few? Yes. Okay. You get a high five. You get a high five. You get a high five. Everyone else, now you got more homework because now you got to read Romans 1 through 8. Okay, so you're welcome. Um, but Pastor Jackson talked about salvation and the unlikely converts. And so if you aren't here, it's on Spotify. I know all you guys got Spotify. If you got iTunes, get out of here. Spotify, get on there. And uh, yeah, man, Pastor Jackson broke the word down so well. So I'm going to try to to give you just a cliff note of one thing that stood out to me when I was listening to it. And what he said was, um, he's talking about people like friends who are atheists or don't believe in God or who say they're a Christian, but then they don't act like a Christian. Like these people who are hard to love, okay? Does anybody have anybody that, like anyone like that in their family? I have some of that in my family. It's like, it's difficult to, to be around these people but I know that I'm called to just be the light. I'm called to just love them. But what Pastor Jackson was saying about that, he says, you don't, like when you're, when you're around them, okay, and you're, you're like, oh, do I share the gospel or do I not? He says, he says this, you don't make the gospel sound good enough for that person. God does. This is what gives you boldness. Now, I, I, when I heard that, I was like, oh, wow. That right there is the boldness I need because it takes the pressure off. I just have to be who God's created me to be. I just have to carry the light with me, and then God does the rest. That's, that's the good news, right? That's really good news. So our job is just to obey God. God, what do you want? Is now the time? Right, right now? Okay, then I'm going to share the word. Or, no, I just need to continue to pour in, pour in, pour in. But, God, that takes time. God says, trust me. So we have to obey. Our job is to share the light. Not your flashlight on your phone. The light, which is Jesus. If you, have, if you accept him as Lord and Savior, he's inside you. You now have the light. And it's a good light to have. Uh, for example, lately I've been walking around. Uh, I've been going to Walmart, uh, uh, to other stores like the convenience store, Crest. You know, that's where I like to get my groceries. And I, for the first time in forever, I found myself when I'm walking through the aisles, like random people just now like want to talk to me. That's never happened before. Like where I'm just walking down the aisle and this, this little old lady is like, well, don't you look like my grandson? I'm like, okay, 
does he, I guess he looks really good then. But I'm like, yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. And she'll show me a picture. And I'm like, all right. Thanks, God, for that moment. I don't know what that was. But then I go on, and another person would be like, wow, what crazy weather we're having, isn't it? I'm like, yeah, it's hot outside. Like, those little conversations you guys laugh at, I've never had those when I go to a store until lately. And so I was sitting there, and I was like, God, why am I having these moments? He's like, these are the moments I've given you to, to talk to somebody about me. And I missed those moments. I missed them. And I, I, I hate that I missed those moments. But God, see, he, he's going to use little things like that for you to share the light. People saw something about me, not, not who I am because they don't know me, but they saw something in me, and that's the light. See, wherever I walk, I want Jesus to walk with me. I want, him, I want them to see Jesus, not me. And so that's my prayer for, you, for you, all of you tonight, is that you don't see Pastor Ken up here, that you see only Jesus. I'm not trying to be Jesus, like be Jesus. I'm just saying I want him to use me tonight to get this word to you guys. And I pray that this night, this is a landmark message for you guys. That this is a landmark message in your life that you go, man, I will never forget that. When you get in what we're going to be talking about tonight, when you get to this moment, I pray, I pray that the Holy Spirit reminds you of what God wanted me to share with you tonight. You guys with me? Okay, so the title... Uh, wait, I have a video, don't I? Sorry, I'm getting excited, guys. Holy Spirit moving already. All right, here we go. Um, I was talking about the light. I want to share this because, one, I'm a kid's pastor, okay? Some of you guys just left Threshold. I miss you guys, but I know you're in good hands. But the light, right? The light is good. You guys ever seen this movie, uh, Bugs Life? Okay, so you guys are going to know this video that I'm talking about. Okay, let's share this video. Okay, so Harry went to the light, right? His friend is, uh, we're going to call the friend the enemy tonight, okay? The enemy didn't want Harry to go into the light. Why? Nobody has an answer? Okay, I'll tell you. It's because there's power in that light. There's power. And Harry, like, Harry wanted to find out what that power was all about. But his friend, the enemy, he was like, don't go towards that light. Tonight, guys, is a light message, it's a light message. And you, I want you guys to come with me through it. But the enemy is going to hold you back. I'm going to speak on some things tonight, and the enemy is going to hold you back. And I would pray that that wall that's, that's keeping you from coming to the light is broken tonight. It's broken. Okay? So, tonight we're going to be talking about a word that I'm newly familiar with, but it's always been there. And that word is grace. That's grace. Let's pray. God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for everyone that you have brought here. God, I pray for this landmark message. It's not my message. It's your message. I pray you use me. Use me tonight, Father. Protect this platform to protect these hearts, these minds. God, I pray that everyone here gets a deeper resolution in who you are, that they understand who, what your grace truly means, why we need it. 
God, thank you for this beautiful, holy night. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so the title of my message tonight is Undeserved Favor. Undeserved Favor, which is grace. Now, the reason why I say the Lord's message is because, like I said earlier, I don't want you to remember my words. I want you to remember what the Lord has given me. I want only God tonight to get the glory. I don't want you to remember, oh, Pastor Kent's message was fire. I don't want you to remember that. I want you to remember, hey, God showed me this. This message has been confirming for me. Like I told you, uh, Pastor Jackson asked me to speak. I was like, I'm a little nervous because ch students challenges me. Um, it's a big deal. It's a longer message. Um, there's going to be some, uh, what Pastor Jackson would say, uh, some, some beefiness to this message. Um, and that's okay. I'm not scared. You guys shouldn't be scared. Um, but what I am going to do is I'm going to read from my notes tonight because there's some stuff in here I don't want to not get right. Is that okay with you guys? Okay. Um, because it, uh, this is confirming, because here's the thing. I wrote this message. I, I was already thinking about it. I've already read through Romans. And I, on Sunday, I kind of just put, like, my hands to, to the computer. I started typing this out. So Sunday after church, wrote my message. So pumped what God was showing me. I was like, okay, I, gotta, I don't know if this makes any sense. I take it to Pastor Jackson on Monday. And Pastor Jackson, you guys know how cool he is. He's like, yeah, tell me what's on your heart. And so I sat down and I shared with him. He's like, yeah, what if, you, what if you did this? And what if you talked about this? This would be really good in this part. I really like what Paul's saying here. I'm like, yeah, I, I wrote that down. So Pastor Jackson's already seen the direction that we need to go. And I'd already wrote it down. So there's com confirmation number one for this message, okay? And then uh, he gives me this, this book right here this beefy book on just Romans, okay? He mentioned this book last week. He said that this book intimidated him. I was like, Pastor Jackson, get intimidated by a book? You guys know who, you guys know who he is, right? Him get intimidated by a book? And then I opened it and read it. I was like, okay, I understand now. So Mark Driscoll is going to bring some good stuff tonight. Um, but when I, when I opened it and I started reading it, um, I noticed, I was like, oh, when was this made? Do you know when this book was published? Yeah, seven months ago. Uh, seven, if you guys don't know, is the number of completion. And I thought that was really cool because I was like, hopefully that tonight uh, this message completes some of the questions you might have. Um, it maybe fills some of the gaps that you're unaware of, that maybe you're still like asking questions about. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to, share a little bit later what confirmation two and three were. Um, and it's so cool that God gives you confirmation, right? It's so cool that he does that. I'm so glad I serve a God who, who confirms things in my life. Okay, now last thing before we get into our message, okay? You guys are probably wondering what this giant sword is up here. I thought it reminded me a whole lot of like Goliath's sword. You know what I'm saying? Big old giant carrying around a sword like waving her around in front of the Israelites. And then I thought, we don't really tell this story in kids because it's graphic, but you guys can handle it. David, guys, when he killed Goliath, him in that head with that stone, I imagine him picking up a board like this and just being like, and just cutting his head off and like going over there and like holding this giant sword and this giant head. That's a pretty cool thing to think about, right? That happened in the Bible. 
Anyways, I thought it's a cool story. Um, <laughs> but what I want to talk about, why I brought the sword up tonight, because I want to represent the sword of the Spirit. Um, the Holy Spirit has a revelation for the Word tonight. He's, he wants you guys to know something about grace that you didn't ever maybe think about or know about before. Um, here's the cool thing. I see a lot of students in here. I see a lot of soldiers in here. Soldiers who are ready to take what they learned tonight, what they take from Romans, the Roman series, and they take that into their homes, into their, their, their friends, into their schools, into their cafeterias, and they're not ashamed of God's word. You guys walk around with Jesus, remember? You walk around with the Holy Spirit. You walk around with this bad boy. People are going to notice, right? Now, here's the thing. You all have a choice tonight. You can choose to sit here and be like, hmm, can't wait to get to video games tonight. I can't wait to leave. Got a lot to do. Um, my cousin's over here. He's got a hot date tonight. Maybe he's thinking about that. Y'all can think about that. Or you can choose to get your notes out, get your Bibles out, get your pens and your paper. And you can, by the end of this night, you can be self-righteous and be like, I don't, I don't need to know any of this. Or you can live in righteousness with Jesus. Those are your options tonight. You guys ready? All right, let's eat. All right, point number one. Let's talk about grace. Let's talk about grace. What is grace? We are saved by grace, or saved by faith through grace, right? You guys heard that saying, you're saved by faith through grace. What does this mean? So grace alone means that God loves, forgives, and saves us, not because of who we are or what we do, but because of the work of Jesus Christ. God's grace is usually defined as undeserved favor. Grace cannot be earned. I'll say it one more time. Grace cannot be earned. It is something that is freely given. You will never be able, be able to outwork God. You'll never be able to outgive God. This is what we need. We need grace. Now, I'm going to read a few verses that are not found in Romans, but it's going to help me when we get there, okay? So, stay with me. 2 Corinthians 12, we see um, uh, God's response to Paul because Paul is complaining about a thorn in his flesh. Now, I don't think it's a physical thorn. I think he just calls it that, something that's irritating him, something that's bringing him some pain, that's annoying Paul in his ministry. And Paul is struggling with this so much that he cries out to God three separate times. Another person in the Bible who called out to God was Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He is praying to God. He's like, God, take this away from me. I do not want to do this. And then he goes and he checks with his friends. Hey, what are you guys doing? They're sleeping. Okay, wake up, come pray with me. And then he goes, and he prays some more, and he goes back. Okay, here is Paul doing the same thing. He's, gone, he's not doing it cons like a, a consistently. He's, he's coming back to God. Like, God, why am I still dealing with this thorn? And here's God's response. He's not ignoring Paul. He's, not, he, like, he's still there with him, right? He's still with Paul. And he says this, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. If you guys have your Bibles, I want you to underline that phrase. My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches in needs in persecutions. The, the church, you, us Christians, we're under some persecution right now. 
in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. God wasn't ignoring Paul's pleas for help. He was telling Paul, I've already given you everything you need to come out of this victoriously. My grace is my power given to you in the middle of your weakness. When you are weak on your own, I am strong in you. Paul, stop whining. Stand up and use the weapons and power I've provided to you. It was at this point that I believe Paul's attitude changed. He no longer complained about God, um, about this situation. Paul realized that when trials come his way, they were simply an opportunity for God's power to be strong in his life. So do you have a thorn today? Is there something that's irritating you? Are your mom and dad um, irritating you? Are they, are they bothering you? Are your siblings getting on your nerves? Are you dealing with anxieties, loneliness, betrayal? Are you dealing with a lust of the flesh issue? What's your thorn today? We all have them. Some of us share. Some of us don't share with each other. But I think we all have a thorn. Have you gone to God? Have you, has, he, has, he, has he answered you yet? Do you just give up when he doesn't? No, you keep going to him. And here's the good news, right? God's grace is sufficient. God's grace is sufficient. Too often we rely on ourselves, right? Self-righteous. God, I can do this. You, I, I know what your Bible says in some areas, so I know I can, I can rely on those areas, but I got this. I don't want you to see what I'm going through like he doesn't see. David Guzik. We talk about a lot of David Guzik around here. I said it best, God's, God's grace is available all the time. Everyone say all the time. All the time, guys. It means it never leaves. It is always there. When we sin or fail, it does not put us outside the reach of God's grace. Since grace is given freely to us in Jesus, in Jesus alone, it can't be taken away later because we stumble or fall. God doesn't dangle the, uh, the grace you guys seen that commercial where he's like, it's the old man with a dollar? Oh, almost had it. Oh. That's not God. God has it in his hand. It's open. And it's always available. His grace is ever ready to meet us and to minister to us in our insufficiencies. My grace is sufficient for you is what he tells Paul. It is right now. Not that it will be someday. But right now, at this moment, in students, on a Wednesday night, July 5th, his grace is still available. You thought something had to change before his grace would be enough. You thought his grace was sufficient once. His grace may be sufficient again. But not now. Not with what I am going through. Despite that feeling, despite you feeling that you've already used God's grace and that he doesn't have any more for you, God's word stands. My grace is still sufficient for you. It's not like take one and then it's never there. It's always there, guys. Spurgeon, my man Spurge, wrote this. It is easy to believe in grace for the past and the future. Oh, grace did come in my life. My, my parents were shown grace. Oh, I know that grace will come in the future. But to rest in it for the immediate necessity is true faith. Believer it is not now that grace is sufficient. Even at this moment, it is enough for thee. Man, God's good, right? 
You guys are just looking at me like, what? Guys, grace, it's forgiveness. Okay? That's what we're talking about tonight, forgiveness and grace. So here's point two. It is by grace that we are saved. Pastor Jackson talked about salvation last week. And so Jesus is that saving grace. Praise God for Jesus. Praise God for what he did for us. Remember what he did. A man came to earth and died the worst death possible for you and for me so that we can live the lives that we have. And guys, what we're about to talk about, and we've all done it, it's like we've all spat in Jesus' face. We've all looked at the grace and gone, oh, thanks for that, and you move on. Tonight it ends. Tonight it ends. Ephesians 2.8. I've been reading a lot from the Amplified Version because it gives me some, some beefiness to it that I didn't see before, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the Amplified, okay? For it is by grace, God's remarkable compassion and favor drawing you to Christ, that you have been saved, actually delivered from judgment and given eternal life. I think some of, I think, I, I read through that, I'm like, oh, eternal life, cool. Through faith, and no, eternal life, eternal life. There are two options, and maybe I'm going a little too direct here. There is eternal life or there is eternal death. There is hell, there is heaven. Back to what I was saying. And this salvation is not of yourselves, not through your own effort, but it is the undeserved, gracious gift of God. What is grace? Undeserved. We did not, we do not deserve God's grace, but this is who we serve. Praise God. He gives us grace even when he knows we're going to mess up. I see that they're going to mess up. Here's the grace. No matter what you do, not, no matter how much money you make in the future or how popular you become, you'll never be able to get to heaven unless you have Jesus. And it's only by God's grace that we are given Jesus in the first place as they live in sacrifice for our sins. Romans 5, 15 through 21. I told you we get the Romans. Here we are. Buckle up. 5, 15 through 21. This is a beefy verse, okay? So just stay with me. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God. His grace, guys, when you receive it, you are now back in right standing with God. It is only by his grace that you're able to do that. Through we are guilty of many, or though we are guilty of many sins, for the sin of this one man, Adam caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Praise God. 
Because one person disobeyed God. Have you ever disobeyed God? I have. Many became sinners. When I disobeyed God many times in my life, it's because I wasn't, obe- I wasn't obeying. I wasn't listening. And it led to me sinning. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There it is again, eternal life. One day, y'all, we are going to be in heaven with him and we will no longer know what sin is. Come on, Jesus. Adam brought death and Jesus brought life. Point three. Y'all ready for this one? This is where we're going to hang out. Abusing grace versus finding grace versus adoring grace. Abusing grace versus finding grace versus adoring grace. And I'm going to share with you guys the confirmation from this message in just a second, okay? Romans 6, 1 through 2. Well then, Paul's such a good writer. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Question mark? It's a question. Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can, how can we continue to live in it? Jesus dies, he conquers death, conquers sin. When we accept him, we receive the one who did all that. So how can we continue to live in sin if we have Jesus? We have to have a relationship. I'll get that in a second. Okay, Romans 6, 14 and 15 says this. Sin is no longer your master. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Well then, (laughs) there it is again. Since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. This is twice now in 12 verses. He's asking, can we continue to keep on sinning? No. All right. Abusing grace looks like this. Abusing grace looks like this. All right, I'm going to read from this beefy book. Thank you, Pastor Jackson. All right. Not that one, this one. All right. Mark Driscoll, page 141. He calls it, I say abusing grace looks like this. You know what he calls it? No rules. Okay. Now here's the thing. I came up with three points. This is the confirmation. I came up with three points, okay, without having this book, without reading this part. And then all of a sudden I look at what Mark Driscoll had put, and he breaks it down in three ways like this too, okay? Not me. This is not me, guys. This is only God. And I'm so thankful he showed me this. All right. No rules, okay? It says this. Nomos is the Greek word for law, and anti means against. Therefore, antinomianism 
I said that right, means anti-law. People who ascribe to this belief think that because we are under the reign of grace, there are no rules or commands. You guys understand that? Because we have grace, they're like, oh, I can do whatever I want because I know God's going to forgive me. All right? We get to do whatever we want, and God will take care of it. This belief leads to carnal Christians, people who have met Jesus, but it didn't change them. Free grace is the theology that teaches do whatever you want because God will fix it. Some people want to meet Jesus but not change. They want Jesus to be their Savior and forgive their sins but not be Lord ruling over their lives. Paul argues against this belief because if you meet Jesus, you will change. All right? Okay, I got to hold this open. Come, come back to it. Abusing grace would be like this. I have a beautiful wife. Her name is Kayla. And gentlemen, listen up. I married up. Okay? I married up. Way up. She's way out of my league. And God blessed me with her. Okay? And we got married. And when you get married, and hopefully one day everyone in here gets married, you make a covenant with the person you're marrying. You make a commitment to them. I love you. You love me. We are going to stay together through sickness and in health, okay, no matter what. When, when she messes up, I'm supposed to forgive her, and I have forgiven her. <laughs> and when I mess up, which is a lot, being real with y'all, she forgives me. And like, like the Lord, I go, how can you forgive me? Like, I'm such a dumb-dumb. Like, why? It's because she has some grace, okay? Now. Because I know she's going to forgive me, I can't just go up to her randomly and punch her in the face. <laughs> you said, what? These dishes are what? <laughs> Boom. No. I can't do that because I know she's going to forgive me. That wouldn't be very good of a husband. I wouldn't be. And I, that's not a good relationship, right? Just because... You've accepted Jesus in your heart. Doesn't mean that you have to keep on sinning because you know your grace, his grace is going to forgive you. This is what the abuse of God's grace looks like. Those who identify, identify as Christians but have no conviction, no Holy Spirit, because they really don't know Jesus. It's okay. God loves me. I'll keep sinning. I'm going to do me. Self-righteousness. This is abuse of grace. And I pray that no one in here finds himself in here today that are continuing to do this. But here's why I'm not here to condemn you. I'm not here to judge you. Because here's the thing. I have been here before. I have been abusing God's grace. I would be a bad pastor, a bad human being to stand up on this platform and say, I have never abused God's grace. That is 100% false. I have definitely abused God's grace. And it is not a place I ever want to go back to. Finding grace looks like this. This may be where you find some of yourself today. Like some of you guys came in here today, and you find you're, you're, you're searching for some grace, okay? This is what it looks like. Maybe you look like you checked all the boxes, you're going to students every Wednesday. You're going to church on the weekend. You're serving in kids' ministry on the weekend. Um, 
You're going to First Saturdays. You're reading the Bible. You're raising your hands during worship. You're getting on your knees during worship. You spend some quiet time with God. But you got this one thing. I have this, you have this sin that keeps committing, that you keep committing because you haven't got caught yet. You have this sin that no one knows about. But God will forgive you, right? You keep going back to it. This is what finding grace looks like. I may not repent right now, even though I, I know I need to, but I'll do it after a few days, maybe after a week, after God's forgotten about it. And I find myself needing him again, then I'll repent. Then I'll come back into good standing with God. This finding grace stage kind of looks like abusing the grace. But like you guys, we're all learning, right? We're all learning. We're all in God's word. He's showing us new things every day. And it's okay. Tonight, maybe you came into students and you had just sinned before you walked in. Can I tell you something? God's grace is sufficient. It's right here. When we sin, what's the first thing that happens? We feel shame, right? Just being honest. When I sin, I feel shame. And guys, here's the good news. That's a good thing. Do you know why? Because that means you got the Holy Spirit. When you do something and you know you shouldn't have done it, and immediately you're like, crap. I shouldn't have done that. But then you have a choice. You can repent right away, or you can wait. And a lot of us wait. I've been there. I've waited. Because I don't want God to, I don't want to deal with that part, because I know that God hates me and that he doesn't, he's not going to forgive me right away. No, his grace is sufficient. He forgives right away. And you know what? After I repent, I don't ever want to be near it again. But how many of you guys know we have an enemy? And he roams around like a roaring lion waiting to see who he can devour. And we end up falling in the same pattern. But here's the thing. If you feel shame, if you feel grossed out about what just took place, that's the good news because you have the Holy Spirit. And that means that God is not far from you. So we have a choice. We can be a slave to sin or we can be a slave to righteousness. So here's what Mark Driscoll says. He calls, remember the first one's no rules. Everything's off the table. You can do whatever you want because he's going to forgive you. Number two is this, rules. Now you got some rules. I'm going to read just a, a quick uh, part of this one. Um, some Christians realize people might abuse God's grace, so they decide to make lots of rules and laws trying to keep people as far from sin as possible. Now here's the thing, I'm not up here to um, talk bad about any of these religions, okay, or these belief systems, but I just, I have, I'm going to read what he said. This turned into holiness movement or tradition. In the Pentecostal world, this includes the Wesleyans, the Methodists, the Nazarenes, and Assemblies of God among Anabaptists, and this includes the Mennonites, Quakers, and Brethren. In the fundamentalist world, this means hardcore fundamentalist separatism. Common rules include no playing cards, consuming alcohol, listening to secular music, dancing, or getting tattoos. 
Women cannot wear makeup or pants. The problem with all these rules is that you may stay away from but you may also not build a relationship with Jesus. I'm following the rules. I'm following all the rules, but I don't have a relationship with Jesus. You're going to stay in that finding grace stage. Look what Paul said in Romans 6, 16 through 18. Don't you realize that you, became, you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? What are you obeying tonight? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God. Once you were slaves to sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey the teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. Real Christians are saved, but still bound by sin. What's the sin that you're bound by tonight? You don't feel comfortable after sinning, but you keep coming back to it. You think you beat this sin for a month, that you are tr- on the track of living a righteous, uh, righteous life? Let me tell you something. You ha- if you haven't committed that sin in a while and you've been hiding it, thinking it's um, because of you, then you are still in the finding grace stage. You didn't do anything. The Holy Spirit helped you beat that sin for a month. It wasn't you. You are insufficient. God and his grace was sufficient for you. Did you give him thanks in that time? Finding freedom from this level takes some time, but it helps to find what breaks God's heart and then not do it. How do you do this? Find some friends that you can trust. Find some friends that are there when you call. Find some friends who don't talk behind your back to your other friends. Finding grace is better than abusing it, but it's still not where God wants you to be. He wants you to be in this final stage, which is this, adoring grace. This is what adoring grace looks like, relationship. If you build a relationship with Jesus, then you will walk away from sin. It's more about the relationship than the rules. Jesus is perfectly capable of helping you walk away from sin and avoid. Here's the third um, confirmation for me. Avoid abusing God's grace. We got to get away from abusing God's grace. We got to get away from sinning because we know God will forgive us. People change out of their love for Jesus. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, the primary motivation for Christians' holiness is not fear of what God will do to you, but love for what God has done for you. You will do more for love than you will for fear. You will do more for relationships than you will for rules. How have you treated God's grace in the past? And how will you treat it in the future? We all fall short. Romans 3.23 says that. And since we have all sinned and continually fall short of God's glory and are being justified, declared free of the guilt of sin, made acceptable to God and granted eternal life as a gift by his precious undeserved grace through the redemption, the payment for our sin, which is provided in Christ Jesus. When we are saved, we get conviction through the Holy Spirit. Praise God for the Holy Spirit to give me conviction. Real born-again Christians that are saved and have freedom. 
These are the disciples of Jesus. These are the ones who are quick to repent, not because they know they can, but because their heart truly breaks for what God and for what breaks God, and they don't want to spend another second in that nasty sin. I can invite the band to come up. Something that I've been praying and, and talking to God about, I sinned against you, God. I can't carry on my day without confessing this sin to you because it is taking over was what, what I'm doing today. I have a family. I have a son. I have a wife. And my focus should be on them. But I sinned, and the enemy is making me think about this. It's controlling my life. And you know what happens when I repent? God's grace is sufficient. And he forgives me. And immediately, guys, that stuff is gone. I think about when um, Jesus is, is recruiting, he's recruiting some disciples. And he comes across Peter and his brother Andrew. And he says, you guys can put those nets down because I'll make you fisher of men. And the Bible says, immediately, immediately they drop their nets and they follow Jesus. Why would they do that? They don't know him. This random man comes up to him and says, hey, stop what you're doing, stop your work, and come follow me. Would any of you guys do that? If a random stranger came up to you and just said, hey, come follow me, I'll make you a fishers of men. <laughs> they followed him because I believe they saw a light, something glowing and going, there's something different, and I want to be a part of it. We have to strive to adore God's grace, not to abuse it. If you find yourself in the stage of trying to find, trying to understand God's grace, you are not alone. And you shouldn't feel bad for being in that stage because you can know this isn't where you want to stay for the rest of your life. God wants you to be free from sin. That's the goal. My man Mark now, it was Spurgeon. Now it's Mark. Mark Driscoll says this, no matter how great your sin is, grace outweighs and outruns it. God gives more grace where there's more sin. If you're in Jesus, God's grace reigns over your entire life. Entire life. It is going to be hard. Yes. But God doesn't abandon you. Paul kept going back to God. God, what's this thorn in my life? Again, we don't know what was causing him pain, but God didn't leave Paul. He was with him every step of the way. But this thorn helped Paul. It made Paul stronger, and it pushed Paul to see beyond himself. Paul couldn't get rid of the thorn. He needed God's help, the help of the Holy Spirit. When we abuse God's grace, it's like we. I want everyone to look at me for a second. When we abuse God's grace, it is like we are standing there and we're the ones ripping out Jesus' beard. We're the ones spitting in his face. We're the ones placing the crown of thorns on his head. We're the ones putting the nails in his hands and his feet. We're the ones mocking him. That's what happens when we abuse grace. And guys, I'm gonna try my best not to abuse it any longer. I want to be quick to repent. 
Guys, I, I hate the enemy. I hate what he's done in my life. I hate when he attacks me. But you know who I love more? Jesus. Because I know what he's done for me. Satan didn't die for me. Satan doesn't give me grace. Only Jesus does that. So here's my question to you guys tonight. What will you be a slave to? His grace is sufficient for right now. Right now, do not wait. I'm gonna, I didn't put this in my notes, so it's not gonna be on the screen, but it's Romans 8.31. Says this, God's everlasting love. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for, for all of us. How shall he not with him who also freely gives us all things? Skip down to 38. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why? Because of God's grace. Because of his grace. Last thing. Hebrew word for gracious is, I'm going to butcher this, chen. It's K-H-E-N. Translated to grace or favor and often referred to as a delight. Giving a, a gift or favor to someone is chen. Because, I know, I told you I was going to butcher it. Be, <laughs> because it's motivated by delight. Jacob meets his brother Esau 20 years later after he stole his birthright. And his brother Esau had every right to destroy his brother but he didn't. He showed him grace. Showed him grace. Jacob, um, another story is when God sent Moses to save the children of Israel out of Egypt. They were slaves. And after seeing the miraculous things that God did for them, after pulling them out of slavery, how did they repay God? They, were, they built a, a golden calf and worshiped that. Does this sound familiar to anyone? Do you have any hidden idols? Any hidden sin? Is God still showing up in your life? Is he still providing and pouring out his love and his mercy on you? Well, then let me tell you something. You are a receiver of God's pen, his grace. God is a consistent God. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that's the good news because this, and when we are willing to own our failures, willing to repent, and ask God for his grace, God has a consistent and generous response. God gives himself. He gives us Jesus, and he gives us his unwavering love. His grace is always there. Do not abuse it. Tonight, we're about to, I'm about to pray it out, and we're about to have your ultimate ministry come down here. And here's what I want everyone to do tonight. This is, this is what's been on my heart. I asked Pastor Jackson if this is what we're going to. And he said, yeah. If you are dealing with something, something that is sinful and you have not repented, 
tonight's the night. Here's what I know about every one of these leaders that are here. And here's what I know about this place and this church is we do not judge. We love. We've all seen what it's like to be away from God and it's the worst thing ever. And tonight, the enemy, maybe as I'm speaking tonight, the enemy, you're seeing something in, in your heart, in your soul that you're like, I cannot tell a soul about this. The enemy loves that. He loves it. And so who are you gonna serve? Who is your master? I told you earlier, there's two paths. There's heaven and there's hell. There's Jesus or there's Satan. There is no in-between. Do not leave here tonight continuing to think about that sin. It dies here. Tonight, this altar, it dies here. Do not take this into, this into your schools this year. Do not take this back into your home. Do not take it back into your friends group. It dies here tonight. I'm, this is the opportunity set before you. You have the choice. You have the choice. Let's bow our heads. God, thank you for tonight. I pray that this message sticks with these kids, with these students. God, you are enough. God, I am so thankful for your son, Jesus, but I am so thankful for your grace. God, I pray as we end tonight, Lord, I pray that tonight is the night for these kids, for these students to lay down whatever they need to die to tonight. Lord, this, this is why you sent your son, Jesus. He defeated death, he defeated sin. And so tonight, we lay it down. I pray that if anyone in here is struggling right now, they're too scared. What, what, if, what if they think this? I rebuke it right now in the name of Jesus. You are good. You love us. You love these kids. Tonight is the night. No more shame. Your grace is here. Thank you, Father. We love you. We praise you. It's in Jesus' name.